Bridging the Voices Hello, MediHealth Podcast listeners. Welcome back. Maritha and I here are your hosts today. Since the first monkeypox appearance in the U.S. in May, the monkeypox cases have accumulated to about 20,000 cases in the States and is now officially considered a global health emergency. This alarming rise of infectious cases has caused global concerns. Who is susceptible to monkeypox? How does the infection work? Does monkeypox have an incubation period? For how long? What are the precautionary measures that we can take? Today, we will have Dr. Cameron Wolf, the Associate Professor of Medicine from Duke University, to address our questions and concerns. Now, let's welcome our guest, Dr. Cameron Wolf. Thank you so much for taking time to meet with us, Dr. Wolf. Would you like to share a bit of your background before we jump into the topic? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm an infectious disease physician here at Duke. I came here uh, 15 years ago thinking I'd be here wow. for two or three years ago. <laughs> and then that sort of somehow is a decade and a half later. Um, yeah. I kind of hold three hats here. I'm first and foremost an HIV physician and a transplant physician. Oh, uh, wow. Managing sort of infections in patients who are immune suppressed. Uh-huh. And my, my third hat, which is relevant here, is that I'm in charge of a lot of our sort of outbreak efforts, vaccinations against outbreaks, management of sort of things that might spill over into the community or the university. And so mm-hmm. that was obviously mm-hmm. a heavy role in COVID, but now monkeypox is uh, yeah. responsibility. So Dr. Wolf, it's been over a month since we talked last time about monkeypox. So I bet there's huge changes in the outbreak situation. And we really hope that you can fill us in with some updated information. A month ago when we met, monkeypox was first introduced to North Carolina and you predicted that we will see more cases in the coming days. How many cases are there in North Carolina as of right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, we've certainly seen an increasing number of cases in North Carolina. I think a couple of days ago when I last checked, we're up to 250 right. across the state. Right. Um, you know, it's worth reflecting that in terms of national data, we are not the busiest state. I think we're sort of 10th or 12th in terms of overall numbers of cases uh, mm-hmm. nationwide. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. reflects, you know, the fact that this took off initially in many large capital cities. So New York, Boston, Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. Cal- certain cities in California and Florida or Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we've certainly seen an increase in the numbers of cases. We've right. seen it almost universally in men um not that it not that there's anything biologically that means it needs to be restricted to men but that's certainly the social group yeah. which it's transmitting yeah. at the moment yeah yeah um, knock on wood nothing in duke so far but we've seen right. cases in durham and orange and wake county so it's certainly around okay glad to hear that so what is the infection rate of monkeypox and how does the transmission of monkeypox occurs Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably the thing that's in most people's minds when they think about a new infection is using COVID as a comparison. And I think the reassuring part there is that, you know, this is wildly less infected to the community than COVID was. And so this is reassuring. So we don't, ex- as we've planned here, we don't expect large um, outbreaks of this. We don't expect this to derail 
um, the way we take classes, the way the university operates. I don't think there'll be anything like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a virus that's um, unlike COVID or flu, uh, you know, this is not a respiratory virus. This is a virus that is internal and causes an illness that's very different and is in fact transmitted classically by skin to skin contact. So it's, it's, um, you know, people will be very familiar with households where one person got COVID and suddenly everyone in the house right, got COVID right. or, you know, meal halls or bars where someone was positive and suddenly a cluster get sick. This is going to be very different than that. It's so far it's spread um, mainly through um, social and sexual networks through skin to skin contact. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just much harder to transmit, but I think at the same time, it's also therefore a little bit harder to, um, it's a different group of people to whom you have to message, to whom you have to try and um, mm-hmm. protect against spread. Mm-hmm. How about like if they sort of like, if someone have touch a, a surface before and then or they sweat and then their sweat left on like a surface and, and the other person sit on that same chair, would that sort of have, um, causes transmission or... Yeah, I mean, there probably is some degree of surface transmission, but it's it's actually much harder than I think we would first assume. There have been cases, um, uncommonly, when people are sick with the sort of active um, rash stage of monkeypox, where it has been able to transmit either through people who touch the rash or, you know, sort of close sexual partners, or maybe people who've helped bathe that patient or change the bed sheets or something that's pretty close on it's not to it's not to my knowledge been able to really transmit in ways that sort of you know someone used the table 10 minutes ago now i come and sit down like that's not Mm -hmm. the issue here at all Mm -hmm. which is reassuring it means it's actually much harder to transmit comparing to COVID. exactly yeah okay 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 since it's pretty hard to be transmitted unless you have like sexual contact or even like skin i don't know infectious contact so what why is it still spreading so like quite quite a huge increase well i think i think that's still true is that like if you want to compare it against covid for example it's orders of magnitude less transmissible yeah Uh, you know covid we could run into problems being in the same room together typical of any breathing transmitted illness yeah whereas this is an intimate skin close to close contact issue yeah the challenge is is if um you know, let's be honest, we've had 20 or 30 years of poor control of STD transmissions in the United States in general. So okay. this is this is now adding on to that, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's, uh, you know, it's not restricted to intercourse per se. It can be close mm-hmm. household or mm-hmm. sort of, um, you know, close skin-to-skin contact. It doesn't have to actually be sexually acquired. Okay. You know, the third thing that plays in is that if you if you don't necessarily know what you're dealing with is monkeypox, you may not necessarily take um, mitigating steps to keep partners or friends or close contacts safe. And so part mm-hmm. of the job that we've had to try and backpedal and do is to make it easier for people to be aware of their symptoms, know mm-hmm. when they might be at risk, take mm-hmm. appropriate avoidance steps and get tested. Mm-hmm. And, and for us on the back end, to contact trace people who may need to be aware yeah, I think yeah. Ramping up all of those efforts in a population that, because of the very nature of this in the LGBT community, particularly MSM community, mm-hmm. you know, we've just not traditionally done a perfect job at getting good health messages to all mm. of the people who need to hear it. 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think there's a multiple number of reasons actually as to why it's still right. increasing, yeah. um, but still reassuringly very different than what we've faced, you know, in the last few years with COVID. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do we identify the symptoms of monkeypox and make prevention and control of it? I think the other, the other part of what is what we maybe didn't talk about is, uh-huh. you know, we didn't really talk about how to avoid it. Um, we talked right. about how to recognize it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, if folks know that they've been sick or know that they have current blisters or rashly, rashes, you know, ideally minimizing skin to skin contact is the way or intimate contact is the way to prevent it. So, you know, that's either, either abstinence mm. or at least um, making sure that all of those, uh, all of the areas where the rashes are present are covered and that mm. people inform their sexual partners that, that this is, that this is plausibly going on. You know, it's, it, it, it's it's naive of us to think that an abstinence only message works. It doesn't typically work, but it is still the best yeah. path forward. Um, but uh, you know, when we think about the way the illness is transmitted, it's transmitted through direct skin to skin or close intimate contact. And so I think that then says, like, hey, um, if I if I know I'm positive or I'm concerned that I might be. Um, sort of minimizing ongoing sexual contact is is crucial to stopping this. Mm-hmm. 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 Sounds good. Yeah, that's definitely mm-hmm. very helpful. Abstinence or informants and recovery. Yeah, I mean, you you would you would think that you would think that most people who've had a painful rash would probably you know sexual contact would be the last thing on their mind, but yeah. in reality. Um, that has been exactly the way that this has continued to transmit is that people were unaware of their ongoing infectivity to people or that even as the rash starts to heal, they may in fact remain somewhat infectious mm-hmm. or even as the rash is starting to emerge and they don't yet really feel sick, mm-hmm. they may be infectious. So I think you can, you can sort of see that an abstinence only message is ideal, but in reality, um, yeah, uh, you know, protecting against intimate skin-to-skin contact is the right way forward. However, people choose to do that. Okay, I also heard because like it's come from the pox virus. So I'm curious, like, is it related to a smallpox virus? A smallpox is pretty deadly, but this one sounds like it's quite a chill case. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes from the orthopox family, which yeah. does include smallpox and a few others, and sort of. Smallpox sticks in our mind because it was so more severe and dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, reassuringly, all the other pox viruses, including monkeypox, are not typically that severe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think, for example, of uh, we're up to, we passed 46,000 cases this week mm-hmm. globally, and yet I'm only aware of, I think, 10 to 12 deaths. So from a fatality mm-hmm. point of view, this is nowhere near the severity of monkey of smallpox. You know, why that is, I think, probably comes down to the inherent differences between viruses. Even though mm. smallpox and monkeypox may be close cousins, they respond mm. very differently to the body. Our immune mm. system responds very differently. Our ability mm. to control them is quite different, such mm. that, again, most people, in fact, handle this as uncomfortable and scarring as the rash can sometimes be. Mm. They handle it. It gets better over the space of two to four weeks, and they mm. recover. 
So those sort of really severe smallpox um, uh, issues that we saw are, are just yeah. exceptionally rare here for monkeypox, thankfully. That's reassuring, yeah. So, so what is Duke doing right now to actually hamper the increased rate of monkeypox? Yeah, I mean, I think the first the first thing is is messaging, just like we're doing mm. here. I, I mm. think it's important to be really clear about cases, where they're occurring, who's at risk, and be descriptive of the kind of illness, such that people are not caught off guard or, or don't think to, uh, mm. you know, don't think that they may be sick when they are. Um, mm. Number two is, you know, we're a step ahead here than where we were with COVID because we already have a vaccine. Right. And it's an effective and now available vaccine. Mm -hmm. We're starting already. We have been going now for a couple of weeks, vaccinating anyone who's deemed at risk uh, through mm -hmm. the clinics on campus. Mm -hmm. um, student health, students have equal access to that as much as anyone else in the general community. Good to know. At the moment, that's available for anyone who's been, who knows they've been exposed mm -hmm. or any men, bisexual men or transgender men who have... Um, you know, recent history of STDs, take HIV prevention meds, uh, have new sexual partners or maybe afraid or nervous that they've, that they've, that they've been exposed to sexual yeah. health infections. And anyone in those high-risk groups can simply self-attest and come forward and say, look, hey, I, I, I'd love to get vaccinated and we can, we can get those folk protected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, the other, the other part of this is, is trying to build on some partnerships that have been... Uh, you know, maybe strengthened actually during COVID, which is to say, mm. we now know we've had lots of practice at administering vaccine clinics um, right. to lots of different people, thanks to our COVID different experiences. Mm -hmm. We've tried mm -hmm. to do those already with both the county and state public health. Um, right. Student health has been an active participant in those so far, mm -hmm. which is good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, and so that it sort of works on many levels, but to do yeah. that also in a way that's um, reflective of people's risk but not mm -hmm. amplifying of stigma mm -hmm. not amplifying of health disparities that already exist yeah. in certain yeah. at-risk population groups yeah 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 i i understand where you're coming from it's like we are here to help but not to like stigmatize the group um but like i have a like what if like one is diagnosed monkeypox and Durham, do they usually come to duke medical hospital facility or is there a particular facility in Durham that it's specially catered for this group of? Yeah, I mean, most people are well enough that they just they can be managed at home. So that's the, oh, okay. that's the reassuring part here. It's it would be okay. very rare in general that someone gets sick enough to need hospital care. So okay. Testing care is pretty straightforward now and available through almost any clinic that you want to come to, either mm -hmm. on campus or on the in the primary care or urgent care or emergency world or at the health department. So there's lots of mm -hmm. places people can go to get tested. Nine mm -hmm. times out of 10, their clinician will examine them and, and say, you know, whether they think this is likely to be monkeypox or not, that they can be safely managed in isolation at home. Mm -hmm. So we don't necessarily really need specific uh, clinics per se to care right. for patients. But on the off chance that people do get sick enough that they need the hospital, then in fact, there is well-established protocols for healthcare worker protection that can mean that those patients can really be managed on any general ward uh, in okay. the hospital. Okay. So I heard that there are vaccines that can be used as the prevention and the control tools for the outbreak of monkeypox. What about that? 
So there are a couple of vaccines that have been developed, not necessarily uniquely for monkeypox, but developed for the family of pox viruses, in particular smallpox. Okay. Uh, but they are known to be effective in monkeypox as well. Um, so you'll see some cities already uh, releasing that vaccine to people who they think are at risk, either because they've been exposed mm. or, in fact, in the case of Montreal and New York, for people in the MSM community who they think might have been at high risk recently as a, as a method of trying to curtail future transmission. Now, we're not at that point sort of nationally to be doing this and frankly don't have the vaccine supply yet to be doing that, but there is a vaccine. There are treatments that can be used for people who get really critically ill, but fortunately that's actually really rare. Mm. Is the vaccine covered by the insurance? If so, can I get my vaccine right now at the nearby pharmacy? No, it'd be, it'd be covered partly because it's um, actually contained under the strategic uh, stockpile that the U.S. keeps to like manage bioemergencies. So there would not be expected to be a cost for that, as best I can. Okay. Okay, great, great. It's really folks to know that there is a vaccine that's very effective and looks safe. Mm -hmm. um, but that it's carefully controlled by state and federal health agencies. And so okay. at, the, at the moment is, is um, limited in its use to folks who we think have had high-risk exposure. Okay, okay. It's not something you can just turn up to the local Walgreens and expect to find. So is there anything you want to bring up, the latest news about monkeypox that you think the public should be aware of? You know, I think it, probably the main thing is to is to understand your own risk. Mm. You know, I think particularly this is a message that needs to go to our LGBT and MSM communities at the moment. Mm -hmm. If someone is in uh, those uh, those groups and wants to be protected, then then we have those options available, and either through student health or through their clinicians and the Duke system, we can absolutely get those people protected, or through the county. Um, mm. You know, it, it's it's worth now. I think there's enough public literature about uh, the types of illness, the types of rash that people feel that it's useful mm -hmm. if people want to familiarize themselves with this. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. helpful. It's very helpful, in fact, if they're nervous at all to seek care because mm -hmm. people might remember the start of 2020 when there was big efforts done to sort of contact trace each individual. Right. Person. Mm -hmm. We kind of dropped it off as we realized that there was just so much COVID. Yeah. It's early enough in a monkeypox outbreak at the moment. And the mm -hmm. incubation period is about nine days on average, which is long enough that mm -hmm. if, if you were to come forward and tell me, hey, this is what I've got, and here are my four contacts, I have time to go to those individuals, vaccinate them, stop them getting sick. So the drive here with this illness specifically to find cases, have them identify themselves, contact right. trace where we can and protect other people is right. actually really significant. Right. Um, so people have just got to stick their hand up because then I think we, yeah. can, we can knock this down much quicker. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that they have to be aware of the type of rashes. Would you like to describe more on like what? Because like I felt like even yesterday I was walking through the bushes and duke forest and then contacted with poison ivy and i developed rashes like how yeah. do you identify like what is a monkeypox rash and what is like a normal rash so I, so i think the first thing is 
people need to understand their epidemiology still. And if they are, you know, in North Carolina, this is exclusively so far a male illness. So, you know, if you know you're a male with recent male sexual partners, mm-hmm. that puts you in a different risk category, number one. Mm-hmm. You know, the risk that the rash is often, but not always predated by a febrile illness. It feels like a flu for a day mm-hmm. or so. Mm-hmm. Um, that might give you a little trigger. And then I think right. the, the main rash evolves in these sort of four phases over three to four weeks from initially starting as a localized red um, becoming raised lump that turns into a blister. And it's okay. often, it's often quite exquisitely painful. Okay. Um, eventually that blister turns into more of a pustule. Okay. And the pustules honestly can vary from ones that might look very much like a funny acne scar to mm-hmm. ones that are much more severe and sort of firm and, and, and look mm-hmm. more like a boil. Mm-hmm. And so I think if, uh, you know, they can occur, um, they're, they're certainly occurring in many people around the genital area. Mm-hmm. Um, they can occur around the mouth um, mm-hmm. or they can be widespread. And right. so, you know, it becomes easier, I think, for people, easier to identify if they've suddenly got a new outbreak of a series of painful blisters and they're mm-hmm. febrile and they're feeling unwell. Like, yeah, absolutely, right. you should get checked. Yeah. Some of them are more subtle. And I think some of them, uh, you know, it's important for us as healthcare workers to keep an open mind that there's a spectrum of how severe these rashes can be, but they're all based around small, painful, blistering lesions. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, you know, if there's any index of suspicion, it's now actually really easy to get tested and figure it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha. How about like for the general public, do you think we, since like we don't really have close contact with people in such a way, but what are the general things that we should keep in mind if like for students or professors who are working on campus? Yeah, I think for, you know, for, for professors and students and lab folk and campus members in general, this is highly unlikely to impact day-to-day activities at all. That's, mm-hmm. that's number one. That's reassuring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is. It, it will be incumbent upon people who experience illness that might be monkeypox to put their hand up and say, hey, I should get checked out. So, you know, what is that? It's often, but not always, an early flu-like illness, perhaps with some lymph nodes that swell, followed by the, followed by the development of a, of, a, of a blistering and then pustular rash mm-hmm. and the rash can be the rash can be painful the rash can leave a scar can be disfiguring and leave a scar and it actually lasts typically for a couple of weeks wow and so so but it's it's hard to be fair to differentiate that from um, a number of other sexually acquired infections that might even look very similar to right. sort of limited shingles and so I think people just need to be prepared on the one end to say, you know, hey, I should present to my clinician and ask about this. It's important both because it helps to get the right test. Right. And B, it's there's no sort of home test here for this. And so it's just as important to set up the testing as it is to set up the contact tracing to say, like, if this proves to be true, who else might not know they've been exposed to we need to think about? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the final bit is that it's important to recognize um, and yet be cautious not to stigmatize who can be at risk. And I think the key here is that so far this has um, transmitted heavily, but not exclusively through um, LGBT 
uh, Q groups, particularly MSM. And so it's not that there's a greater um, transmissibility in those individuals. It's just that it's moving through their social networks and sexual networks. And oh, so I think okay. people can understand that there's, um, it's just as plausible for a heterosexual couple to transmit monkeypox to each other if, if, uh, if they're within that sort of close proximal intimacy. It's just as easy for a healthcare worker to get it from a patient. Mm. But it is true so far that this has mainly been an illness passed from men to men. And so being mindful of that as well, I think helps people recognize when they might be at risk or helps me recognize when someone else might in front of me be positive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, no, definitely. That's very important. Um, I have a follow-up question. Is there, is this monkeypox like COVID where there's a hidden period? Cause like for COVID there's like a 14 day incubation period before it's sort of manifest. Yeah, there is unfortunately, um, oh. which always makes it more tricky about like getting the message to LGBT MSN community do you have particular thoughts and suggestions on this uh well engaging them in in trying the groups on campus groups in the community groups in clinic to sort of say look hey what do you what do you think is the is the best way that we should communicate this message how would you communicate mm. this message I mean I think that's a two-way engagement number one it's not just it's not just me wanting to say a message this needs to right. be presented in a way that's appropriate that's disseminatable in a community mm -hmm. that's that's a two-way street that's the first yeah. issue yeah. so I, I don't i don't propose for a minute to think that i understand the best route there that's a conversation mm -hmm. you know i think you want to have it in a way that like we said earlier is is honest to the reality that this illness so far has been um, dominated in msm communities mm -hmm. but not exclusively so yeah. you need to be able to tra translate, hey, this is the current risk. Mm -hmm. And that's not a judgment. That's not a, that's not a comment on uh, sort of behavioral right or wrong activity. It's just yeah. a, this, this is currently the, 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 the networks of individuals in whom this is spreading. Mm -hmm. Nothing to say that it stays in those groups of individuals. You know, we've seen that already in the United States. There's been a few women and children affected by this. Right. And then I think you want to say, you want, to, you want to make really sure that people know who's at risk, are aware of what symptoms may be, mm. have access to good information about disease reduction activities. And, you know, mm. for example, the CDC have, I think, done a pretty good job of trying to put out um, safer sex messages, for example, mm. um, efforts to try and do partner education. Mm. Um, Contact tracing again becomes important in that context yeah. and open disclosure of, of issues or concerns that someone may have. Mm -hmm. And then finally, the other major part of it is to say, look, if you know you're symptomatic, um, you know, that, that's the right time to get a test and, and be able to physically isolate yourself from other people until you know the result or until you mm -hmm. So it's a it's a it it's is a, a message where you don't want to enhance stigma. That's the last thing that anyone wants right. to but it needs yeah. to be appropriate message. It needs to be accurate. Yeah. It needs to um, yeah. reflect accurate science. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I think we as yeah mess messengers here really need to embrace and learn to, I don't know, just present the truth to them, yet not stigmatizing it. But yeah, encouraging them to find help when as needed. Because I know that among the MSN community, sometimes 
even they themselves, they don't feel comfortable in sharing like their own identity. So that's also another hurdle to go through. And I think a message is different for different people. Like, yeah. I think we can sometimes fall into the trap of expecting that the one type of message is applicable to all individuals who would describe themselves as, as LGBT. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's all sorts of different colors and flavors of people across all different communities. And so to mm -hmm. expect that suddenly one umbrella would be an appropriate Mm -hmm. message to try and translate to different communities is, is has shown it to not work in the past mm -hmm. you know we have not done frankly a good job at controlling hiv transmission in the united mm -hmm. states mm -hmm. where we've not developed messages that are relevant and approachable to all different communities at the same pace you know it has mm -hmm. not been equally received and, and impactful yeah. for african-american communities for example wow. already we're seeing in the united states that there's a major disparity between the number of monkeypox cases occurring in african-american men yeah um, so you know we've got to be careful in messaging that we are doing it in a way that may be different frankly for different audiences and that's yeah that's probably appropriate yeah. You know, the Duke campus student audience, for the most part, is going to be a highly educated, aware of how to get good health literature, mm -hmm. um, affluent enough to have good health care available to them. That's mm -hmm. not true for everyone in Durham, not true for everyone in yeah. North Carolina or the United yeah. States. And so mm -hmm. how do I how do I create a message that is relevant not only for the sort of you know the, the, yeah. the advantaged student, but also the disadvantaged or marginalized individual? Yeah, totally agree. I think that's where interdisciplinary comes in, where you need anthropology and understanding oh. different cultures and how people, how, yeah, how they see the world to frame the message that fits their culture point of view. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a multi-pronged message that needs to be delivered. And, and as I said, I we don't have a great history of getting it right for other conditions. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you know, hopefully we can at least build on some of that experience and, and not fall into the same traps. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And again, wow. look, we, we're ahead of the game here. We have a vaccine that works. We know how yeah. this transmits. We know mm -hmm. a, we know a good understanding of who's at risk. Mm -hmm. uh, we are starting the job to communicate that message to people. I think we've yeah. come out of that awful 2020 phase when everyone was so skeptical about health messages nationally, and nervous oh, yeah. about vaccine. Like, there's been nothing that I've really seen that's been politically divisive about monkeypox which is good that's the last mm -hmm. thing we needed was for some sort of extra layer of division here to skew the message or mm -hmm. foster mm -hmm. mistrust that hasn't happened yet so yeah. i think we've got some good chances yeah i'm thankful that COVID happened so it sort of awakened us to to think to be aware of these health issues and not to take them lightly totally yeah yeah okay Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I think your information has covered a lot. And yeah, I'll look forward to sharing it with the wider audience. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to MediHealth Podcast. In this podcast episode, we talked to Dr. Wolf about how monkeypox is spread from one person to the other through skin-to-skin -skin contact, uh, um, sexual contact. Also, this monkeypox virus especially prevalent in the msn community having said that we should not be isolating or even distancing ourselves from this community but 
what we should do now is strive to put this message out there, sharing with them what are the precautions that we and they, all of us, should take to prevent the spreading of this um, virus. And you can do your part too by liking this podcast and sharing it with your community. Together, we can eradicate monkeypox. This episode is hosted by Lin Yixin and Marita Tan, while audios are edited by Lin Yixin. Graphics are designed by Mingma Sherpa, and articles are written by Gloria Gun. Articles are translated by Yue Guo, while the newsletter is designed by Jason Duan. Social media publicity by Yu Hejun. Secretariat contributions by Mei Chen Yap. Opening music was produced by Chong Yi Huan. Thank you, Professor Max Speller and our advisor, Ms. Chan Suiming, our strategic communicator trainer. Thank you to DQ Health Humanity Labs for sponsoring this podcast. We'll see you next time. Many Health Podcasts. Bridging the voices. 无限健康。